Welcome to the Herb Nerd Podcast with enlightening interviews where vibrant and diverse teachers, authors, and healers talk about a variety of topics such as self-healing, herbalism, and spirituality. And now your guy, my mom, the Herb Nerd. Hi, Herb Nerds. This is Monica. Ooh, so I just got back from a really nice vacation, yeah, in Santa Cruz. And I'm really feeling in the flow of things. Um, When I was down there, I spent a lot of time biking around. And living here in the mountains, that doesn't happen so much. Uh, The roads are really narrow and dangerous. And I have a confession, it's kind of embarrassing, but the only time I ride a bike is when I go to Burning Man. And so it was so liberating and so freeing to be able to hop on a bicycle and go anywhere I wanted. So my body is totally sore after, you know, three days of doing that. Um, But it was really great for my mind. I'm feeling the flow of things. Uh, I also checked out an amazing yoga class. I think the place was called Yoga Tree down in Santa Cruz. It was amazing. Um, One thing that really stuck with me was in class we focused on the difference between force and determination. And I really have felt this, maybe you have too, when you're in class, yoga class, or doing anything in your life. And you know what you want to do, so you have that determination. And then sometimes it can become a little too forceful. The will could really burn other people in the way or um, we can be a little hard on ourselves if we fall out of tree pose or if we're judging ourselves from our past, what we used to be able to do and what we can do now. So um, I just ask that you be gentle with yourself That was my lesson. Uh, The whole weekend was very, very much like the flow of a fig tree, the way that it flows from one thing to the next. And um, it's a wonderful feeling when we can be in that state. So I encourage you to think about where are you flowing in your life? Where do you feel resistance? And in those areas of resistance, you know, maybe just back off a little bit, take a breath, Be kind to yourself, center, and maybe in that centering you can find balance within those challenging areas. This month, with the Matthew Wood Herbal Apprenticeship, we talked about a whole plethora of very interesting things. We covered herbs in relation to cardiovascular health and the health of the kidneys. That was really interesting. The herb that really stuck out for me was goldenrod. So goldenrod is a beautiful plant. You should Google it if you've never seen it before. Chances are you might have seen it. Um, It is really great for allergies, especially if someone has redness around their eyes, just like they climbed out of a chlorinated pool, you know, that pink look around the eyes. I used to get that around cats. Oh, also, it's been known to be beneficial for people who have cat allergy. 
Um, great for itchy eyes, drippy nose, which includes internal drippy nose, which is known as post-nasal drip. It strengthens the kidneys and it's gr a great flu remedy. Um, this last month, there's been a flu that's been going around, leaving almost everyone that I've talked to feeling depleted in their kidneys, like a low back ache. So I would imagine that goldenrod could really help strengthen the kidneys and it might be a beneficial herb for certain people, not everybody, but it's just something kind of dangling in my, my mind, just a little thought. Um, anyhow, so it's great for the flu and sometimes even post-surgery. Um, it's bitter and pungent, but the flower heads are very sweet and it is a moist diuretic. Um, it's great combined with burdock seed and marshmallow. So the flowering tops are slightly sweet and they're more like, I would say they're better for like respiratory conditions. Um, the last thing that I wanted to say about goldenrod is that maybe instead of gra grabbing arnica for bruising and sore muscles, you can make a salve or a medicated oil with goldenrod. You could use them interchangeably. And arnica is more of a harder herb to come by. So I think that goldenrod is more abundant and it might be fun to try something new. Let's get into the podcast now. So I'll be interviewing Shay Smith. She is the owner of Halo, spelled H-A-A-L-O, found in Nevada City, California. And she runs a cooperative type herbal business that is so amazing and so incredible. And it's a place that I volunteer at. And I think you're really gonna love the interview and what she has to offer and she just comes from a heart space and is such a wonderful person and it's great to listen to her story. I know you're gonna love it. So let's get into it. Today I'm just so grateful and so thankful that you can be with um, with us today, Shay. I really appreciate it. Thank you. I know that you're so busy with Halo and you just bought a home and you're doing lots of remodeling. So I really appreciate your support. Yeah. So today, I would love if you could share your story about how you came to create Halo, which is a heart-based business model, and to connect with our listeners about what it takes to listen to their heart, let go, and take a chance. So that's what we're going to talk about today. Sure, sure. Here. So I'd like to start. Let's start by having you share your story. So how did you come to hear the call within your heart towards being a source that offers healings and herbs to our community. Sure. And, um, you know, I can go all the way back to uh, my teen years and loving the herbs and then fast forward into a life 20 or 30 years later that didn't follow an herbal path but had a passion um, as herbs as my hobby and always reading books, always loving the herbal world and the alternative world, but not pursuing that as a career path. And then I got very, very sick in my early 40s, and I didn't know what was going on. It didn't get diagnosed till almost seven years later, but I started to lose my health, and one by one, my systems were shutting down, my thyroid went down, my digestion went down, and it got to the point where 
Eventually, I lost the use of my legs and um, began to have severe spinal problems. And my mom had to come live with me to help me take care of my two boys at the time who were were 11 years old and 6 years old. That must have been so frightening for you. It was because we were going to doctors and trying to get a diagnosis and we didn't know what was going on and I was getting um, subjective diagnoses like chronic fatigue syndrome, um, fibromyalgia and yes, it was it was good to have something but it it you know, insurance doesn't really recognize that. Right. So, um and these were very real things. I mean, I wasn't imagining that I could no longer use my legs, you know, and it would show up on my blood tests that my thyroid was out. And eventually, um, I really no longer had the energy and the will forces to be able to run a family effectively as a mother. And I was really worried about my children because just getting up and getting showered could exhaust me for the day. And um, the ability to grocery shop and cook meals and take my children to and from school, I didn't have the life force energies to do that any longer. And I made a very difficult decision that until I found out what was wrong with me, that my children needed to be in a stable environment and that they really needed to live with my mother and father for a couple of weeks, Mm -hmm. what I thought at the time, Mm -hmm. um, until I could get my, my life together. And I continued um, going to doctors, but nothing was coming up. And my children lived with my parents who lived in New Mexico and I live in California. So that was a soul ache. And, um, and, uh, part of what propelled me into this great depression and in this place of not even being able to take care of myself or my children, I really wanted to die. Yeah. And knowing that I couldn't work, that I couldn't support myself. I couldn't take care of a household. Now I no longer have my children. My my husband had left. Mm-hmm. Um, it didn't seem worth staying on the planet for. Yeah. yeah. But when I went through all the scenarios of how to get off this planet, um, I had to rule out suicide pretty early on because getting myself out of pain caused other people to be in pain. Sure. There was no way I could there was no way I could I could take my own life without affecting my children or my parents or my friends or community or 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 my husband. You know, it would all these things would add years and years of pain to other people's life mm-hmm. at the expense of me being able to check out. And so then I began looking at you know I started having suicide ideation of <laughs> what about if I got kidnapped by UFOs? You know, what if, how do we get off this planet? And, you know, of course those weren't realistic. And um, eventually I was led to um, my studies of great masters and seeing that, you know, there were these great masters that ascended. Right. And there are these monks that are able to leave their bodies. And and what they all had in common was um, they had devoted themselves to mankind and they were great teachers and they led lives of service on this planet. And somehow they were able to ascend. But it was the only thing that gave me hope of, okay, I'm here. I'm not, obviously I'm I'm still here. I'm I'm not able to get off the planet. And... um, wow, I guess I can just start working towards being a better human being and maybe 
maybe in the next couple of lifetimes, if I, if I choose to do this a couple of lifetimes, maybe, maybe I'll eventually ascend, um, knowing that I'm very far away from that in this lifetime. And so coinciding with that were these thoughts that I needed to plant trees. And it was so unrealistic for me to plant trees in the state I was in when I could hardly even um, take a shower. I mean, I, I had to lay in the bathtub, fill the tub with water, and swish my head back and forth to get my hair washed because I didn't have the strength to lift up my arms for a period mm. of time to soap up my hair. So where did the tree vision come from? Exactly. Right. I don't know, and it would never leave me. And okay. um, every morning when I woke up, the first thought that came to my mind was, did you plant your trees? Did you plant your trees? <laughs> and and I'm not a tree planting person. You know, that's, that's not something I've done a lot of in my life. And um, I'm like, no, I didn't plant the trees. <laughs> I'm just trying to take care of myself. <laughs> uh, this is the furthest thing from my mind ever. Right. But in the middle of the night, it would wake me up. And so I confided with this when my husband would, um, even though he was um, in L.A. most of the time, he would come home every two weeks or so and just do um, uh, a check on me. And we were separated, but he still cared deeply for me. And um, I told him, I said, I got to. I, I got to plant trees. And of course that was just crazy, but he did bring some trees to my deck and he's like, okay. And when we're talking trees, we're talking like two and three foot. Mm-hmm. What type of trees? Fruit trees. Fruit trees. They okay. had to be fruit and medicinal trees. Okay. So anyway, in a fit of just trying to get relief from these voices, which I felt was part of what, that I was crazy. Mm-hmm. You know, I was really questioning my own sanity. I went out and I had one of those little hand tools for gardening. And I went out in the middle of summer when our ground was rock hard and there's no moisture. And I started digging and I got about 10 digs of just trying to break through the surface of the dirt. And I was so exhausted that I just lay down and I fell asleep. Is that the Nevada County hard yes. clay dirt? Yes, oh, exactly. Dear. In full sun. Oh, dear. And I ended up sleeping for, I guess, probably a couple hours in my exhaustion. And I woke up with horrible sunburn and probably dehydrated. And um, I made it back into the house and got water. And I was out for the next two to three days recovering from that. But something in me felt a little bit better. And Mm -hmm. so the next time I went out, I went out with a pillow I was like, okay, at least if I fall asleep, I'm going to fall asleep with a pillow. And, um, and I dug a little bit more and, um, I did fall asleep and I went out in the evening. And so I didn't get sunburn. Eventually I got the tree planted and it took me a couple weeks to get the tree planted and I felt better. Wow. So I thought, okay, well, I'll plant another tree. And so I planted another tree and that took a little less time. And then I planted another tree and Soon enough, after um, a couple of months, I had uh, four or five trees planted, and I was getting better. Were you still hearing that voice? Yes, but not as intensely. Okay. And I was able to take showers, and I was able to cook meals for myself and lift my pans to the stove, and I was feeling better. So something was working, and I just wanted my children back. I just wanted to be able to take care of my children. And so I was like, okay, this is crazy, but maybe... My life purpose is just to plant trees, and that's the only way I'm going to get better. And maybe I'm like 
Johnny Appleseed <laughs> and I'm just going to plant trees. <laughs> so I began doing that and I got better, way better. And I got my children back and all I did was plant trees every day. And I planted an entire orchard in my house. I went to my girlfriend's houses. I did our neighborhood. I just planted trees and I had a whole deck full of trees and I had just accepted that, okay, it's kind of a humble life. It's yeah. not what I thought I would be doing. Yeah. For the remaining days, but I guess I'm just a tree planter. Right. <laughs> and I was, I, I was carrying a, a, a plant down the steps of my deck to go plant it, and all of a sudden, I heard this voice in my mind's eye. I don't know how you hear voices. I don't know how to explain it, but it just said, you're done. <laughs> and I was like, I'm done. And it's like, you're done. It was clear. It was very clear. It was crystal clear. And I looked at my deck, and I still had about 20 or 30 trees that needed to be planted. And I'm like, oh, okay, well, I'll plant these trees, and then I'll be done. I was like, nope, you are done today. Wow. But I love these trees. They need to go into the ground. I'm not just going to let them die. It's like, <laughs> you are done planting trees. <laughs> so I had to let this resonate within me for a while, a couple of days, and I found homes for all those trees, and I quit planting trees. Wow. And I just waited. How many trees do you think you planted during that time? What type of trees? I would say I planted about 70 or 80. Oh, my goodness. And it was a period of about four or five months. And I planted as many fruit trees as I could and nut trees and bushes, um, you know, blueberries and um, um, anything that the Oregon grape root, um, bush type stuff. Right. And just planted it. Like my farm is full of these medicinal plants. And now all these years later, they're all bearing fruit. Wow. But I didn't do it just for me. I didn't, I knew that I was going to do this for the rest of my life. So I, girlfriends, anybody who needed a tree planted I would do it for him. oh my goodness and I got my health back right so out of that came um attending um an essential oil conference with David Crow and my mind and world got rocked um uh, through the essential oils and learning proper use of them and um the medicinal value of them which hadn't been part of my herbal education the mm -hmm. essential oils so much and so my world was rocked and then I had the opportunity to do an internship on the East Coast and I had the life force energies to do it and um, um, it was for one week at a time and my mother came back and lived with me for a while and my children came back. I, I didn't have my children for about four months mm -hmm. and I got my children back and wow. um, my life began to open up again. And what came was that I needed to open an herb shop. This had never occurred to me. This wasn't my life path. This wasn't what I thought I was going to be doing. But Same I with the trees though, right? right? I didn't think I was going to be planting trees. Mm -hmm. I didn't think I was going to become paralyzed and depressed and think about suicide for six months. Right. This has all been a process of surrender and of of listening to my heart rather than my mind and my heart did not make sense. Mm -hmm. And so opening an herb shop was kind of a crazy deal because I have never run a business. I had no idea what a nonprofit model looked like. I did not know the responsibilities of a director. I don't know how to do Excel. I, <laughs> I didn't know um, business plans. 
this has not had not been my life path up until that point in time. And I had no money. I'm recovering, coming out of an illness that's cost thousands and thousands of dollars to try to find out what's going on. Um, I'm a single woman, mm-hmm. and I had my own mortgage to maintain, and there weren't two nickels to rub together in my life to start an herb shop. But I'd finished paying off my car, and I had an additional $400 a month. So with that $400 a month, I got business cards printed, mm-hmm. and I started, um, I got a business license and um, insurance, and with a business partner, we decided to rent a shop, and the shop was $900 a month. In Nevada City. In Nevada City. California. But that in, in California, but that didn't include utilities or stocking with inventory <laughs> or anything. It was just the cost of opening the door was $900, and we still had to do trash and everything. So what happened was um, I found a young woman to live in the back of the shop because it had a bathroom and a small kitchen area, and I rented out half the shop to her for $450, okay. and I kept the front of the shop, and mm-hmm. I moved all the furniture really close to the front door. So when you walked in, you were like, well, this is a really small shop. I remember it was very small. It it reminded me of, okay, in Harry Potter, when Harry Potter goes to the shop to get his wands and everything's all tightly together and up in the front. That's what it felt like. It was like that. And it was all bottles and jars. And I could only afford, um, the jars and to fill them with 30 herbs when I first opened the shop. Mm -hmm. So I picked 30 of the most important herbs at the time that our community needed. That's so challenging. Exactly. (laughs) Exactly. And, um, um, then I, I just said, all right, universe, now what? I mean, now what? And people came by and they're like, oh, an herb shop. Wow. What do you have? Well, I have 30 herbs. Oh, great. I need this. Okay, super. And uh, with every herb I sold, I bought another herb. And within um, a very, very short period of time, within two to three months, um, we had over 100 herbs. And all the community herbalists started to come out of the woodwork and come into my shop and say, hey, you know, I make these great soaps. Um, Would you be interested in carrying them? And I'm like, well, let's talk about it. And if they were up to the standards that I really felt in my heart needed to be, which was organic and um, wildcrafted and made with sustainable ingredients and a knowledge, a true knowledge of herbs, then I was interested in their product. And so within six months, all the furniture had been moved to the back of the shop. The person who had rented the back, we had an agreement that it was month to month, and she knew I was trying to expand my business, so she didn't know she'd be there for two months or two years. Um, within six months, wow. I needed the whole shop. She was a little angel. She was a total angel. Wow. And she loved living in downtown Nevada City. Mm-hmm. And um, So within six months, you were ready to take the space. And fully. within nine months, we outgrew the shop, and we needed to move. Wow. And you did this all without taking... No a loan. No or, loan. No, okay. lo- no credit cards. No credit cards. No loan, no credit cards. Everything was paid for cash. When I went and bought my first jars to store the herbs in, I went to the hardware store, Ace Hardware, and I bought three cases of herbs, uh, of jars, and then I ordered the herbs, and I went to consignment shops, and I got shelves, mm-hmm. and um, I put the herbs on shelves and that's how we started and cash register was an envelope with cash in it and um, we made a little 
a little stand for me to stand behind um, to do business. And it was really simple. Right. It was really simple. And, but everybody felt the heart. Everybody felt the intention of the store. We hung all the herbs from the ceiling and it smelled incredible when Mm. you walked in and Mm -hmm. there were essential oils diffusing through the air. Mm. And I also realized that I could not work, um, work full time coming out of this illness still. I didn't have the life forces to work full time. And I knew that I didn't have the knowledge, the herbal knowledge that our community would need. I, I had my herbal knowledge that I, I had accumulated, but really we needed clinical herbalists behind the counter. So I had to think of a way that I could pay them to be behind the counter, and I couldn't right. a fair wage salary for what they deserved. Right. So it became, what could I do that was win-win that would be beneficial to them and be beneficial to me having quality help behind the counter? And that's how the business model of having them come work one day a week and they would have everything they needed to practice as an herbalist and work one day a week and have the treatment rooms and this would become their business and was that worth $125 a month to them Mm -hmm. to have a face in the community, build their own clients and have the tools they needed. Mm -hmm. And it was a resounding yes. Nobody said no. And not to mention some of these herbalists have their products out on the shelf yes. so they could recommend their products. Yes, exactly. And so I was able to staff the herb shop in a really um, amazing way with herbalists that had studied with Paul Bergner and um, were coming out of the schools from around the country and they came into the shop and these were all herbalists that were um, licensed or who had many modalities of practicing and it was incredible to have them helping our customers. Mm -hmm. And the goal was that they would build practices of their own, Mm -hmm. be able to use um, the treatment rooms in the back. I converted where uh, the young woman was living into a treatment room in the back. And so the herbalist had a place to consult with their clients. And the goal was that they would build their practices and go out on their own, which Mm -hmm. continues to be the goal today. Right. And it's working. Right. Yeah. So um, what does it take to shepherd volunteer herbalists into stepping into their power at Halo? What does right. that take? Well, <laughs> it takes a lot of heart energy because herbalists are amazing human beings. They naturally think out of the box. They don't want to do uh, the paradigm of Western medicine and Western healthcare. So right off the bat, they're thinking out of the box. They also feel very differently. They generally are extremely intuitive and they're already heart-centered and they approach their clients in a much more nurturing way of wanting to really understand the basis of the illnesses, what led them to where they got to now and what are the plant botanicals that we can use to get you back in harmony. Mm -hmm. So, With that kind of mindset often comes a lack of being able to think linearly. I see that. In a business mind. I see that. (laughs) Mission statements, websites, business cards. Websites. What? Yeah. (laughs) It is so true. And and I I lack these things as well. And I shore myself up with an amazing administration that has um, all the strengths that I'm weak in. Mm. And so I can see that in other herbalists as well. And so 
what it takes to get them to be successful is sitting down with them and walking them through the steps of if they're the medicine maker herbalist of how do we get your product out on the shelves. So, um, so you need bottles. Have you figured out how to get bottles yet? No. Okay. Well, these are where we order all our bottles from. And if you need to, you can go under, um, halo and order in bulk with us and we'll get you a wholesale discount on starting your your products. Do you have labels? Oh, that's the nemesis. The nemesis. <laughs> labels. Yes, I have these handwritten it's labels. It's the only bad <laughs> dreams I ever have is about making herbal labels. <laughs> but it's so cool if you're not if you're not scared by it. Yeah. And it can know, be a creative process. That's exactly yeah. it. And but you know, the fear of it, the fear of the cost, the fear of, oh, I can't graphically design this. Oh, it's going to be super expensive. And when we walk them through the steps, when we put them in contact with our community graphic artists that, you know, also deserve to be paid fairly, but want to help our community and often can work out plans with the herbalists. Okay, so you can't pay me my full rate right now. Let's let's work out a budget plan. And so we get their labels created and we get now we've got labels and the bottles done. And the product is usually already really good. And mm-hmm. it's it's getting the product made in a GMP or a commercial certified kitchen that can be really another roadblock. So we give them the names of the commercial kitchens in town from very low cost going to a church or going to a school um, commercial kitchen that are all rated commercial into going into our caterers and restaurants and people that will rent the kitchen by the hour. And so that way we are assured that they're following um, state and federal guidelines for getting their product into bottles. When you follow these guidelines, you can sell across state lines. When you don't follow these guidelines, generally you can only sell within the county. Okay. So it's really important for them to be successful, for them to be able to sell outside of the county and go outside of the state lines. And so they have to follow these practices. Mm. And just holding their hand through the steps, and sometimes it takes a couple weeks if we have somebody really motivated, and sometimes it can take a couple months. And then teaching them the harvesting cycles for their supplies. If you are going to go... Um, beyond the state and to a national level, you have to make enough product to get you through for an entire year when you harvest in June. It's a lot of work. It's a lot of work. And they don't often think that way because that's not the business side of them. They make enough product to take care of themselves and their family. But if they're going to sell to stores, they have to be able to supply the Christmas rush or, you know, the Valentine's Day rush. Or if they're making flu remedies, how are you going to get through six months from now through the winter flu cycle if you've only harvested enough plant material for a hundred bottles and you're going to need a thousand. Right. So sometimes the first year can be a little tricky as they're learning that, but we just, we just help them anticipate that by sitting down with them and telling them what our store needs on a Mm -hmm. yearly basis. Mm -hmm. And if just one store needs that, if they want to get into 10 different stores, then they have to think this far out on collecting their St. John's wart in June. Right. Right. Little baby steps. Little baby steps. So do you have any uh, success stories of where you've seen herbalists working with you, maybe herbalists who have their own products or herbalists that are giving consultation advice? Do you have any stories of where you really saw them blossom or where you were able to see them do what they wanted to do when they were being held back? What, are there any stories you want to share with us? I'm just smiling from ear to ear. I know <laughs> um, your listeners can't see this, but that's the juice of doing this. That's I have chills going up um, me right now because that's the juice. That's what just is so exciting. Um, 
Yes. Um, at this point in time, we have close to 40 local community herbalist medicine makers in our shop with their products at varying levels of success. Um, the general trajectory is the first month or two a product is in our shop, it has low sales. And then each month that goes by, it takes off on its sales. And some of the products really take off. Like, for example, we have a tincture line, Spirit Farmer Medicinals, that started out with sales of $60 a month, $90 a month. And, you know, we're well into the four digits now with this product line. And we have a, a honey line of um, medicinal honeys. And I think we sold two jars the first month. And then we sold five jars the next month. And now it's becoming an issue of keeping up with the demand and her jars have gone into stores all around the state, her jars of honey. It's so exciting. That's harvesting vitality. Yes. Harvesting vitality. And then, um, with our practitioners, herbalists, that gets me really excited. Um, right now we're in transition state with one of the herbalists who has been with me for the last three years, Anna, mm-hmm. going on four years. And when Anna came to Nevada City, she moved here from Los Angeles and really didn't know anybody and had no practice set up. And she's an amazing acupuncturist, so traditional Chinese medicine and Western herbalism. And over the last three years, she has built um, a clinical practice so strong that Halo can't handle it anymore. She needs her own space. <laughs> She's bursting out of the seams. She's bursting. Her <laughs> files are taking up all the file space, and she needs the clinic room more. Yeah. And and that's what we want. Bittersweet. It's it's mostly but more sweet. sweet. <laughs> <laughs> but she's she's family to me, yeah. and she's one of my best girlfriends, and I'm so excited to see her. And so this month, she is moving into her own practice with her own clinic and treatment rooms and her own herb room set up to meet the needs of her clients, and it's exactly what we want it to be, and we're really proud of her. Aww, yeah. Those are great stories. Yeah. Aww. So... I remember when I was in Kathy Cavill's Herbal Apprenticeship with you, Shay, and we had our special herbal project at the end. Do you remember? <laughs> yes. <laughs> so I wanted to start an herbal-inspired podcast, and that was a few years ago. It was. Yeah. I remember that. Yeah. So as a preliminary to starting any new endeavor, we try to envision the future challenges sometimes before starting a commitment. And I feel like it's a space that – I was stuck in for a few years because I was thinking of all the reasons why I wasn't the best to do this or how someone else could do it better. But then my heart was just like, no, you really want to do this. And it wouldn't stop pestering me, just like that voice in your head with the trees. And so I want to know, what can you say to people when they get into this step where they have an idea, but then they talk themselves out of doing something that their heart is truly longing for? I think, you know, I'm really passionate about that because I think that um, we, first of all, we all hear that voice, every single one of us. And there's not anybody who doesn't hear that voice. And it stops almost everybody from really realizing their full potential. And the reason that voice was able to stop for me was because I was coming from the lowest of low of like, I wanted to die. Mm -hmm. So when you get to the point of wanting to die or failing, 
failing doesn't seem like that bad anymore. You know, it's like, all right, so I fail, whatever. I mean, I really I wanted to die a few months. the barrel feels like. <laughs> I, I, I was contemplating death a few months ago. So, so what if I fail? Yeah. So I had that advantage of coming out of this illness. That was one of the advantages I had, that this illness stripped away so many um, so many of my previous thought patterns mm-hmm. and replace them with new thought patterns. But since then, since this is not something I have to deal anymore, which eventually was diagnosed as Lyme disease, just so your um, listeners know, eventually. Which does happen in California, yeah, right? Quite Much a bit. to the doctor's dismay. Quite a bit. So, um, so I came out of Lyme disease. Um, but um, so now I'm, I'm back to having a normal life now. And those fears definitely come back up. I'm dealing with another big step in the evolution of Halo. And it's once again, going to the edge of a cliff. And I'm just like, oh, we're not ready for it. We don't have the finances. I don't have (laughs) the people in place. And, And they all start talking to me, those voices. And what I do is I have a song. And whether it's a song or it's whatever motivates you and takes you to a place of truly feeling your heart space or feeling that connection with the universe. And whenever I listen to this song, there's something that stirs so deeply within me. And I feel, I feel the power of God, the universe, however you want to explain this power. And for me, that song, which brought me out of my illness is Amazing Grace. Mm. So I have a CD full of collected Amazing Graces that I've collected through the years. <laughs> and it's just all different variations of the song Amazing Grace being sung, bagpipes, the flute, whatever. And when I put in that CD and listen to Amazing Grace, I am fearless. My, my body resonates to that and my heart gets completely in alignment. And I realize that it doesn't matter what those fears are. They're always going to be there. And my God, they're almost stopping me from doing something great. And I just plow through it. And so buying this home recently that we bought, we, California real estate prices are just ridiculous ridiculous for anybody who doesn't live in this area. I mean, they are just so um, ridiculous for what you get. And we couldn't afford a, a basic home and this person wanted cash for it. I'm like, cash? Who has cash? And so the price range that we're looking at for California for for a very median income price home is three hundred to three hundred and fifty thousand pretty easily. Right. And which this, I don't have cash. Right. Who has that kind of money? I can't apply for a loan for that <laughs> now. Yeah. And we didn't <laughs> have get it creative. either. Yeah. We didn't have it either. And um as most of my friends don't. And so um I listened to Amazing Grace, and I said the prayer that I say so often of, if it's highest and best for all involved, for my family to have this home, please just make it happen. I don't need to know the details. Just give me the courage to listen to my heart, to follow what you're telling me to do, but that I'm scared to do. And so what came out of that within 24 hours was... We just approached our friends and we, we said, if we can pay cash for this house, um, if you help us pay cash for this house, we're going to turn around and refinance it to the bank and get a loan on it. But in order to buy this house from the owner, we need cash. 
will you loan us cash for 60 days and then we'll turn it around this house and we'll get a loan from the bank because we could qualify for a loan. We just right. didn't have cash. Right. And um, all of our friends said, sure. <laughs> so $350,000 was raised wow. within three days. Wow. That's extraordinary. So a group of people came together and they said, I have 5000 I have 10000 Wow, Shay, you know, we'll give you this. We'll give you that. And so we signed contracts with each of the person and had a legal document drawn up that they were owners of our home until we paid them back. Mm -hmm. And we agreed to pay them interest for the two months on the money they were loaning us. Mm -hmm. And 10 people bidded on this house. Oh my. With cash offers. Three of them had cash offers. But you had a connection with the... The universe. Yeah. And we got the house. Wow. And the remodeling of the house was pretty darn incredible, too. And we have just told all friends, anybody who helps us remodel our house, we will give you the same amount of hours back plus 25%. So if you help us for 10 hours, we'll help you for 12 and a half. Mm-hmm. And we have quite a bit of skill sets. So the remodeling of the house has been all free. Uh-huh. And our friends have all stepped up, and we have all we have written contracts with all of them that this is what we owe you. And so we manifested a house that has been remodeled <laughs> out of nothing. Shay, that's so beautiful. And that's, that's how Halo that's to work with the community. Yes, you know, and also connect with the universe. Yes, and that's that's and why I get stuck in the fear model too, because you think to yourself, "How am I going to raise three hundred fifty thousand dollars in a few days?" You have to ask. And it doesn't make sense. It doesn't make sense. Right? It doesn't make sense, and and you have to ask. And it was okay if anybody said no, because probably if somebody came to me and needed ten thousand dollars, it'd be really hard for me to say. I don't, we just don't have it. You know, we, we are, we live very simple lives, my husband and I, and we still have a child that is in Lyme disease and hasn't come out of it. So, Mm -hmm. um, you know, we, we don't have those kind of resources, but we trusted in the process and, and if somebody said no, it was okay. And if we didn't get the house, it was okay because there was something else out there for us, but we did get it. Wow. That's amazing. So I just want to share <laughs> that with people to, to understand that you can't give in to the fear. Right. And so often we all have that. Mm-hmm. You know, we think we try to talk ourselves out of things. So from what I'm hearing you say is that you're looking to a higher source. You're opening up the potential of a different um, a different opportunity to arise. Yes. And what you can even imagine. And then allowing that to happen. Yes. Because that's what your heart is singing for. And you have to be willing, you know, there's no free rides. You're, you're, you'll be given the tools you need, but you have to use those tools. There's no 300,000 is going to land in my lap and it's just a given. I mean, it does happen that way, but that hasn't been so much my experience. What I found is that the tools arrive and I have to use them to right. make to manifest it. So there has to be action involved in this. Right. Oh, that's beautiful. Yeah. Oh, I'm so excited for you. <laughs> Thank you, Monica. <laughs> oh, so how would you describe Halo from a customer's experience? What's the very first thing that everybody <laughs> says when they walk in? Wow, this it place smells, smells so good. good. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, that's totally it. And then they're kind of like, they stop at the door. You see this, where they just stop at the door. They're overwhelmed. Yeah. It's kind of, I always 
one of the most magical shows I watched as a child was Willy Wonka Chocolate Factory. Mm-hmm. When they go to that magical um, place where where you can eat everything, mm-hmm. they walk to the door and then they look <laughs> and there's a river of chocolate and all the plants are edible and taste like candy, mm-hmm. you know. And that's kind of the magic that I see when people walk in the front door. They look up and there's all these things hanging from the ceiling that are magical and there's so much color and the way the displays are, they're unusual. They're not Mm -hmm. like normal displays in a store. And um, the whole setup of the store is disorienting in a really magical way. Well, you have herbs hanging and drying from the ceiling, right? Mm -hmm. And that's called the healing Healing ceiling. ceiling. Yes, yes. And then the diffuser is going putting amazing essential oils, which is... We're healing people from the moment they walk in the door. I mean, Halo is a healing, a healing shop. And so during cold and flu season, you know, we are diffusing our essential oils that are antiviral, antibacterial. And we do this to, to protect our, our employees who work there, but also to teach people that this is another layer of community immunity that they can be using for themselves as well. Hmm. It's so exciting when yeah. someone comes in there for the very first time. <laughs> <laughs> and then uh, they see all, you know, all the bottles and the color and the shininess and, and all the medicine-making supplies and all the displays. So I, I, from their reactions, I mean, you work there. You know how it is. It's people so are, fun. Yeah. I love it. Yeah. I love it when people come in for the first time. I'm also a massage therapist. Yes. So my favorite is when someone's like all right, I'm 50 years old. I never had a massage. And I start jumping up and down and I'm like, you're going to love it. I'm so glad it gets to be me. Like, it's just so exciting when someone walks in there because I remember what it felt like when I first walked in. It was just magical and wow, somebody cares about me behind the counter. And Aunt Anna was working with me. Was she? She was, Yeah. yeah. And she was just so caring and patient and... It was very unique, but you know, I and very beautiful. I want to really say this, and I'm 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 saying this um, um, because it's the absolute truth. We after people make purchases, they can um, leave a note on our Square Up how we how we do it on an iPad. People making purchases, and they can leave a comment and. You know, because I forward you the comments, <laughs> you have that same effect on people now Aww. working behind the counter because the comments we get from people who have interacted with you Aww. are so beautiful as well. <laughs> and, and what they say about how they feel and, and what you have done for them being in the shop. So thank that's you. come full circle. Thank you. Thank, no, you. thank you. I love those little tidbits. <laughs> and it's so important. Like I love to know you work with someone and you create an herbal formula. That's one of the things that we do at Halo. Mm-hmm. And you, you, you spend time and you connect and your heart's open and two hearts merge and you get inspired. Like, oh, I know the perfect, I call myself the herbal matchmaker. <laughs> like, I know the perfect herbs for you. <laughs> you yeah. look something up. And then um, one thing I learned from you is, you know, then you hand them the bowl and you have them stir the herbs and set their intention into it. Yeah. Because it's so much of, you don't want to just like, oh, this this herb is good for this mm-hmm. or that. It, it's so much more than that. It's it's them becoming involved in their healing process. Yes. And I love it when people come back and, and they're like, wow, that tea, that tea did it. That did that it. That was so good. You know, or sometimes you make adjustments. But That's it's the great juice. to see the face again mm-hmm. and to know how it's working. Yeah. 
And that's what makes Halo so beautiful. Well, and yesterday, I'm just going to give this as an example. You know, we work with our homeless, too. We have a lot of um, homeless people that that don't get the health care they need, they can't afford it, or they don't want to go to the emergency room at the hospital, which is their choice, um, choices with the, with what they, where the police will take them, or um, they're not treated well, and they don't get the health care they need. And I saw one of our homeless friends in the parking lot yesterday, and he needed some help, and I was just getting ready to leave, so I texted you. And Amy, working behind the counter, and I said, hey, can you take care of Richard? He's coming in. Mm -hmm. And you made him the most beautiful formula. And you met his needs. And Mm -hmm. you gave him that nurturing caringness that he just needs from a life on the streets. And a tea is something they can easily do. They can get a cup of hot water pretty easily from any coffee shop. It's free. It's affordable. And they can take that form of medicine pretty easily. Mm-hmm. And, you know, he said the sweetest thing. What? He's, you know, an older man yeah. with a hip injury. Yeah. Um, and he goes, I, I have a secret crush on Shay. <laughs> she is so sweet. And, I was, and then I said, I know a lot of people do. She just has such a good heart. And he goes... You all have good hearts in exactly. here. Exactly. <laughs> Just like that. Exactly. It was so sweet. Yeah. Thanks, Monica. <laughs> um, okay. So I would like to know more about the classes that you're offering. Mm. You have some pretty exciting classes. We do. Um, we've started to do internships now at Halo that last um, six months to nine months. So we just started a shamanic herbal wisdom internship. And that's pretty amazing. That's on the weekends. And that's studying more the elementals and um, the Native American teachings and how they relate to herbs. Then we have our medicine making series coming up with Rachel Berry. And she's going to be teaching the class portion once a week for three weeks. And then you'll be going out on three field trips to a farm, uh, to wild crafting, and to a garden to see how the plants are grown, their natural environments, and then how to harvest them and turn them into medicines. So that's exciting. Wow. Alana is teaching a three-class series on detoxifying the body, so how to um, cleanse how, the liver. How to break up with sugar. How to break I up with sugar. <laughs> I'm going to be taking sugar, that class. I'm breaking up with you. <laughs> <laughs> but I don't want to. I but don't want to. I miss you. But I need to. <laughs> well, that's yeah. exciting. Yeah, so really exciting. And then we have our once a month um, herbal studies group that um, our herbalist John has started. And it's um, picking uh, a current herb and just studying it in depth, studying the flower essence of it, the extract of it, the tea of it, its raw form, what it grows in. And we have those classes on the first Wednesday of every month. Oh, great. And those are just um, supplies cost. So I think it's about $10 and you take home something. Wow. You get so much with that. You get so much with that. Yeah. And And then then, Sally is teaching a class. Yes. That's a three-day workshop on plant communication. Mm. And um, Sal is the student of Pam Montgomery for five years. And Pam Montgomery has been an inspiration to me to learn plant communication. And um, really, you know, I now understand why I needed to plant all those trees. And I now understand that heart connection that I had that in my reality at the time didn't make sense. But in my reality of now makes total sense. And taking a three-day workshop with Pam Montgomery um, really deepened my ability 
to communicate with the plant world. And so I'm bringing in her apprentice, uh, Sal, to teach a three-day workshop. And I'm really excited about that. It's going to be held at a beautiful location, Peaceful Pines Echo Resort. And for those who want to camp, you can camp there on the grounds. Glamping, right? Glamping. We call it glamping. (laughs) And your meals will be provided all organic, um, vegetarian or paleo. And um, it's going to be an incredible weekend. And that's coming up the first weekend in May. Mm, that's mm-hmm. great. Yeah. So you have a website. Yes. Halo, H-A-A-L-O dot org. Okay. Yeah. And then can people find you on Facebook? Yes. Thank okay. you for reminding me of that. Yeah. Facebook, it's kind of hard because you don't always get all our messages going out, but we have tons of information on Facebook and that's um, Halo, H-A-A-L-O also. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for connecting with us today, Shay. It's been so good. Thank you, Monica. Aww. Always a pleasure. Oh, great. Bye. <laughs> you have been listening to the Herb Nerd Podcast, which is all about herbs, healing, and spirituality. That's all for this episode. And until next time, for more inspiring advice and to learn how to cultivate your inner sanctuary, head on over to my website at www.theherbnerdpodcast.com or find me on Twitter or Facebook. And to show the world that you're an herb nerd, please don't forget to rate me on iTunes. It really does make a difference. Five stars. The Herb Nerd Podcast is an educational resource, so stay tuned for the next discovery of the many musings of the herbal world.
You have been listening to the Herb Nerd Podcast, which is all about herbs, healing, and spirituality. That's all for this episode. Until next time. For more inspiring advice and to learn how to cultivate your inner sanctuary, head on over to my website at theherbnerdpodcast.com to see the show notes. And to show the world that you're an herb nerd, please don't forget to rate me on iTunes. The Herb Nerd Podcast is an educational resource, so stay tuned for the next new discovery about the many musings of the herbal and spiritual world. And thanks for listening.